Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's Trevor Lawrence throwing out the first pitch at the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. I didn't know that was a team. The Jumbo Shrimp. That's Randy Johnson on the mound. I like it. He brought it, it too. He gave it a little Flipped heat. It right in there. Yeah, that was nice. He, all he needs is the mustache, and he's Randy Johnson. All he needs is a bird flying by right as he as he throws the pitch and have the bird evaporate into a cloud he's of feathers. He's much more Randy handsome Johnson. than Randy Johnson, okay? I'm just going to say that just uh, right off the bat, all right? All right. What do you mean? You got a problem with Randy Johnson? Yeah, Those I old do. West rugged good looks? I do. I really? Do have a problem? Yeah. Yeah. I just I don't know. I just I, Trevor Lawrence is better looking than him. He got long hair like him, and he's tall like him. But that's about it. That's where it ends. All right. <laughs> Randy Johnson would have been a great movie villain, oh, like in right? a western. Definitely. Wouldn't he have? Definitely. He looked like he should be. Yeah, like part of uh, you know Clint Eastwood's posse for at some point in some old western movie for sure. I'm with you there. All right, uh, Trevor Lawrence doing some talking about changes that have been made and not made by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Calvin Ridley acquired via trade last year. Nobody knew whether or not he'd be reinstated by the league after a one-year minimum gambling suspension. Lawrence said he's thrown with Ridley already once. Super excited. He's going to be another piece for this offense and our team, and he's just a good guy, and we're excited to bring him into the locker room. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, Chris, you said it when – Ridley was reinstated that instantly does upgrade the Jaguars who are already on the rise offense already showing that it has the potential to be among the most potent in the NFL a team has the kind of disastrous season that we saw in 2021 with Urban Meyer and you just write them off it's like what we went through with the Bengals in 21 where there are years of this team sucks and you can't get used to seeing that team and thinking they don't suck Jaguars have gone through a lot of crap and it's hard to watch those uniforms, to watch that team, to hear that name and think this is a legitimate elite franchise in the NFL that can contend for a Super Bowl as soon as this year. It's hard to process when you're used to seeing those uniforms directly associated with a bad team. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And, and you know, even as much as we you know saw potential in Trevor Lawrence and 
hey, it was a good hire in Doug Peterson and they spent all that money, you're right. It still was like, well, I don't know. There's a lot of issues there and damn, there's a lot of unproven commodities and young guys and I don't know how that's going to work. So it's it's phenomenal year. It really was. And and we saw in the early part of that year, they were close in so many games. And then they finally found that magic to, you know, win in the fourth quarter, become battle tested and have that belief that we see that kind of, you know, catches fire throughout a locker room to where they got took the field at the end of the year and they started to believe they could beat anybody. Right. And that's where they're going to they're going to ride into this season that same way there. That's what's exciting about them. And and, you know, like we talked about with Doug Peterson at the combine, it's a team that, you know, I, I think is just finding themselves. Just, just like whoa, wait, okay, wait, we are good, we can do this, and okay, this is all we got to just we got to clean up these areas to become a real player in the AFC. They know how close they were. They know they belonged against Kansas City in that game, and it was there to be had if they made a few plays. I mean, it, it was going to be a, a tight nail biter. It certainly was. But how can you not be excited about what you saw from Trevor Lawrence? You get a Calvin Ridley, who's really a superstar receiver. That was a great move by them, picking him up off the street last year and trading it, getting the trade done before the trade deadline. And then they got young guys that are only going to get better. So that's where you're excited about the Jaguars. And right now they look like a team that's built to last here for a little while and going to be you know, on the scene in the AFC in a big way. And it really was strange. They started strong. They were up 14 in Philadelphia. They lost that game. They went into a funk. They bottomed out against the Broncos. Right in London, and that was the moment that Trevor Lawrence had the light go off, and they changed perceptions, really, by the time they beat the Cowboys at home. And they were down, I think, 27-10 at one point in that game. They came back and won in thrilling fashion in overtime. That that was where you start to to look at them differently, and I think we should look at them differently going into this season. One thing that won't be different, Evan Ingram, who did a one-year prove-it deal last year, got franchise tagged by the team, and – presumably will be there in 2023. Trevor Lawrence talked about that, too. He said it's huge to have him back. When you saw what he did for our offense last season, how he came on at the end of the year, I just think we're really figuring out how to use him the right way, and he's helping us a ton. We're just going to keep building on that, and there's still more out there. That's the exciting part. And, yeah, it makes Ingram better to have Ridley there, and it helps Ridley do well to have Ingram there. And Ingram was a guy who was a first-round pick of the Giants, and there were flashes, but it yeah. was disappointment. And right. he did that one-year deal. He's one of the guys who didn't get big money in free agency last year, had to do the one-year deal to prove himself, and he proved himself enough to get – the franchise tag salary. It would have been better to get a long-term deal on the open market, but still, this is more than we thought Evan Ingram was ever going to get. Yeah, no, this is this is a guy that you know finally is a spot that's comfortable and everything's aligned their way way to where he can show us all his talents and and really show us all that he has to offer to a football team. You said it right. We saw like little glimmers of it with the Giants. You always saw the physical talent actually with the Giants. It was just the drops things. And he had a few drops and big moments and as can happen here in the New York area, you do a few negative things in a big moment, they they can't get over it and you're just trash forever. And that's kind of what happened and it was unfair to Evan Ingram. He got to a new place there. They love him. And how do you not love him? I mean, he's a he's a Greek god in the way he's built. And he's 240-plus pounds, and he's as fast as just about every receiver on their football team other than maybe the guy we just talked about, Calvin Ridley. I mean, he ran 4-4 flat at the combine. He's a superstar tight end. He has another year of what he did last year. 
he deserves to be paid like one of the best tight ends in the sport. Now, he's probably got to prove that one more year before he gets a long-term deal. But, damn, uh, that, that's, again, when you just talk Trevor Lawrence, tip of the iceberg, watch out. I mean, you said it right. That Denver game last year, that was where I was going down. I, I guess Trevor's just never going to be that good. It's just not going to happen. I, I was literally like, that's it. I, he misses too many plays and throws. But then, whoa, took off. You got him, Evan Ingram, Travis Etienne, who looked awesome last year and is going to continue to get better. And then you talk about Zay Jones, Christian Kirk with Calvin Ridley and other guys to, to, in the supporting cast, and how do you not get excited about that? And then the defensive side of the ball, there's stars there too. And some of them are young and only getting better as well to where you just go watch out, whether that's Trayvon Walker or Devin Lloyd, who they drafted in the first round. Tyson Campbell's one of the best corners in football that nobody knows about. Doug Peterson, you heard about him talk about the combine. So, man – you know, you 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 know the Jags have a chance here to be one of the better teams in the AFC for the next five or six years. What's Trevor Lawrence have to do year three? Where's his biggest area of improvement to make him into that guy? He's already fringe. When we rattle off the franchise quarterbacks, the untouchable, untradeable exactly. guys, he's already on that fringe. Right. He's the last guy in, and he's he's got arrow pointing up. What's he got to do to? to make it abundantly clear that this is one of the guys in the NFL. Man, it's it's like, to me, it's, it's it got towards the end of the year of just like icing on the top type of stuff, right? Where it's just, oh, all right, yeah, hey, yeah, you're Trevor Lawrence, you know, make some of the plays you talked about. You're capable of doing that more, right? You know, maybe a little sloppy with the ball still at times at the end of the year forcing balls in, just going, ooh, I think I can make this throw, right? We saw that not only in the Chargers game, but in the Chiefs game as well, where there was a, you know, some mistakes there. But I think it's like nothing major, Mike. It's refining. It's just like, hey, can you take over more in the fourth quarter, right? You know, can you make 45 decisions in a row that are perfect instead of 43 out of 45? Like, can you do that? That's where we're getting with Trevor Lawrence and the way it looked at the end of the year. He, you said it, He's top five-ish, if not number five. He's right around there for the way he played at the end of the year and showed the capabilities of like kind of being a guy like, hey, hey, we're losing. And you talked about the Cowboy game, the Raider game, you know, the Charger game. Get on my back, guys. Don't worry. I got us. He's got a little of that going, and, and that team believes in him. So they're not much, Mike. It, it's refining, and it's icing on the cake, like I said. Another example of what it means to a quarterback to come into the NFL and be with a real coaching staff, a real head coach, somebody who can get the most out of you, and what happens when you end up in a bad spot. Because 2021, we didn't think much of Trevor Lawrence because of Urban Meyer. 22, enter Doug Peterson. All of a sudden, Trevor Lawrence is looking pretty good. That's what coaching does. And we don't pin it on the other factors. We pin it on the player. Gets back to what we were talking about with Mac Jones. We pin it on the player when there's regression. We pin it on the player when there's a dramatic improvement. The coaching difference makes all the difference for the quarterback. And now we have Trevor Lawrence. Exactly where we thought he was going to be when he emerged at Clemson. And we came to the conclusion that this guy is for real. Um, So, fill in the blank for me here. The Jaguars' 2023 season will be a failure if they don't what? Ooh. Hmm. I don't want to go as far as like, – if they don't make the playoffs, like they're, they should be in a playoff football team. That's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to be bold with that comment just because I'm like – you know, at first I was like, well, take the next step. They should go to the AFC Championship game next year. Like, yeah, right. Like, 
I, they have the possibility to do that, but I can't say it's a disappointment that they don't get there. Not in the AFC, like you talked about just a few minutes ago. I mean, it's one superstar after another quarterback in those teams. So they're a playoff team. They got a playoff roster. They got a big time quarterback. You know, it's a disappointment if they aren't in the playoffs. That's that's where I'll start. But yeah, there's a part of me that expects them to have the the, the type of capability to make a run in the AFC playoffs, not just you know get in get in there. I think they have to make it. I think they yeah. have to win the division to be division? considered a success yeah. this year. Yeah, okay. I, th- I think they're good enough. I think right. they're the best team in the division right now. This is their opportunity. You're right. The Titans are in a weird state of flux. The Colts are still re-something, yep. rebuilding, remodeling, regrouping. Right. And the Texans are still the, the Texans, Texans, and they've got a lot of work to do to get to get competitive. So I think it would be a disappointment and a failure if they don't win the division because it's the worst division in football, and they're an elite AFC team. You put any of the elite AFC teams in that division, it would be a disappointment if they don't win the division. So same thing applies to the Jaguars. It's, it's difficult to view them differently than we have, but I've, I've made the pivot. They are right up there in my mind with the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, and the other great teams in the AFC. And if any of those teams were in the South, I'd say, you better win that division. Yeah. You, you better win That's that division. That's fair assessment, Here's the question. Can they, can they dominate that division enough and the rest of their schedule enough that the road to the Super Bowl goes, goes through Jackson Jacksonville? Yeah, right. I know. One seed. One Would se- they play one of those home games in London, I wonder? I'm just kidding. All right, let's take a break before we move the Jaguars to England where got people mad over the weekend when I pointed out that if anyone's moving, who would it be other than the team that plays a home game there already every year? But again, I've said too much. When we return, we'll say plenty about Cam Newton's latest comments. Plus, we're going to bust open the PFT mailbag. We'll do that right after this. Players that I will back up. Number one, I'll back up Deshaun Watson. It goes without saying, me and Deshaun Watson's relationship uh, he was on my 707 All-Star team. I've grown to admire the person, the athlete that he is, going through a lot of turmoil. Uh, but I believe that doesn't that that's behind him, and I know I can provide services for him on the field as well as off the field. My number two person would be wherever Lamar Jackson decides to go. Uh, number three will be Justin Fields. Uh, another C1M product. Um, number four will be Tua Tonga-Baloa. Um, number five will be Malik Willis, another C1N uh, all-star uh, representative. Any of these rookie quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson, any one of those guys, I would be happy to back those guys up. Um we got number seven, Jalen Hurts. Uh, number eight would be Aaron Rodgers. Number nine would be Josh Allen. And number 10 would be Sam Howell, another C1N uh, alumna. Cam Newton yesterday explaining that even though he still believes that there aren't 32 guys better than me, He is willing to be a backup in certain specific situations. In all those other situations, he either believes the quarterback is so firmly established there is no need whatsoever to have him around, or he wants to compete to be the starter. 
He left Patrick Mahomes off, for example, because in his mind, Mahomes would benefit in no way, shape, or form from having Cam Newton around. So these other quarterbacks would benefit from his support, from his tutelage. It was confusing to me because Malik Willis isn't the starter what? in Tennessee. I mean, Aaron Rodgers needs is, his tutelage? Sam, well, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand I don't any understand. of it. Are we going with your agent's right. buddies or are we going with real football thoughts? Or I, I don't I, know what I we're don't, doing. Yeah. I don't get it because you're right. Why would he submit to the depth chart here but not here? Right, right. And he's, he's starting to at least understand that there's a conflict between there aren't 32 guys better than me and – why can't I find a job anywhere? Well, it's because you are going to walk through the door expecting to play. So at least he's got a small universe of teams where he would go in and accept the structure. But how can you expect if Malik Willis was the starter of the Titans? I don't care what he says. If Cam Newton's on the team, there's a competition between Malik Willis and Cam Newton. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I, I just I don't that part just seemed like he was just naming friends that he'd like to hang out with. You know, I, I don't know. What what is it C one N? I'm not sure exactly what that stands for there, um, but but yeah, I mean that's that's where he lost me a little bit was the C one N thing and uh, yeah, I didn't really understand some of the logic of some of the other ones there either. Uh, you you know you said that right, Sam Howell, uh, Malik Willis. That's the, both of those guys. You'd go if Cam's on the roster. You know, the team, people are going to look at that and go, wait, isn't Cam the starter? He's behind that guy? Uh, so, yeah, that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. The whole production is going to be more likely to make teams not inclined to pursue him than to pursue him. The whole thing. He's still behaving as if he is, as he said back in 2011 to Peter King, an entertainer and an icon. He's still exhibiting the vibe of an NFL starting quarterback. He's not humbling himself to the status that he would have as a true number two. And that is what's going to be problematic. He also pointed out that his phone did not ring in the aftermath of the pro day at Auburn where he participated because he just wanted to show everyone there are no health issues. If anyone thinks there's a health issue, he can still throw, he can still get it done. But no one has called, no one has shown any interest, and I don't think anyone is going to. Now, Chris, that leads to first question in the mailbag today. Gideon C. Forrest asks this. If Lamar Jackson doesn't get any offer sheets that he would accept, Baltimore and Lamar Jackson can't come to a deal, and he refuses to play on the franchise tag, does Cam Newton make any sense for the Baltimore Ravens as the starter for 2023? I, I mean, I don't see as a starter. You know, I, I, I don't. You know, he'd have to prove to me. I mean, nobody's going to just hand Cam, you know, the keys to the car and go, here you go. You know, it's fair – you know, one, to question his mobility at this point. Uh, you know, he's not a dangerous runner that way anymore, right? And we haven't seen him really execute an offense at a high level in a long time. So I think those are things that are going to, you know, scare a team like to where no one's going to bring him in as a starter in any capacity. And, I'm, and I don't mean to say this, like, in a, in a mean way, okay? I really don't. It's going to sound weird because, like, Cam Newton's a legend, a legend. But I'm not so sure he can beat out Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley's damn good. He's a really good backup quarterback. Like, you know, could be could look at us go away. He could be, you know, an end of the line starting quarterback type of guy there. So that's where, 
you know, I don't see starting quarterback. Maybe if they wanted to bring him in to be support, you know, he has the same skill set as the other guys, and now we don't have to change the offense, and we talk about that a whole lot. Sure, I get that. But starter, that's not happening. And, you, Mike, you explained it right. Like, what, I mean, one, I, again, I don't think the Auburn workout was a good look for him, right? Kind of, I would think in a lot of people's eyes, look a little selfish, like, oh, hey, here's all these young kids trying to make their way, and you stole the spotlight. And then, like, to what you just said there, Mike, I mean, what, what GM's going to look at that and go, well, yeah, I want to make him the backup so he can make YouTube shows every week and talk about our team and other subjects that might bring attention to us that we don't want to deal with. So those are things that are not going to help in the backup world of quarterback play, to your point. He's not the star anymore where he can do some of that stuff. Now, again, if they would have no access to Tyler Huntley and it would be Anthony Brown, that's not going to happen, though. I, I was going to say this earlier when we talked about Tyler Huntley. He's a restricted free agent, but one of the realities of the NFL— Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Rare. Right. It's rare right. for a team to sign a restricted free agent to an offer sheet to the point where there is a belief that there's collusion when it comes to that. Kind of a gentleman's agreement. Right. We're not going to pursue yours. Right. You don't pursue ours. If you have a restricted free agent, just go ahead and do a reasonable tender, and no one is going to mess with you and try to sign your guy away from you. But I know they really like Tyler Huntley, and they almost beat the Bengals with Tyler Huntley last year. So Cam Newton, I think it's just over. It's just done. And and there's no one to blame. It's just the reality. Superstar that teams can't find a spot for. But as I said when this came up a couple of weeks ago, Buffalo and Kansas City would be the places where I think he could be the most effective backup because if Josh Allen does get injured, Cam Newton at least can do some of the things Josh Allen does. Yeah. And, hey, get there with Andy Reid behind Patrick Mahomes. Right. And maybe if – I mean – Chad Henney's been the backup. I'd take Cam Newton over Chad Henney as my backup right now. But he has to truly want it. He has to accept it. He has to understand his career has shifted from you're the guy to you're the guy behind the guy, and you're going to make decent money for it, but you can't be the way you were when you were a starter. That's why so few franchise quarterbacks ever do it. They never do it. They rarely do it. Joe Flacco's the only one in recent years who's done it because it's beneath the status that the quarterback has achieved. All right, a tut 98. If players, oh, I like this one. If players could pick which oh, yeah, team like they would join one. instead of being drafted, but it is an honor and a privilege yeah, to be drafted, yeah. and it is an honor and a privilege to be answering this question. Where would you guess C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young would choose to go? Mm-hmm. Let's start with Stroud. If you were Stroud coming into the NFL right now and you could pick any spot, where would you go? Well, it is easy. I'm going to the 49ers. Their starting quarterback has a hurt elbow, and he's not necessarily the most super talented guy in the world. Where I think I'd go, well, I could go there, make some waves right away, and show everybody, hey, I'm damn good, and I'll compete with this guy a little bit. That, that, that was like one team that jumped off right off the bat, where if like you're one of them, you go, I'll take my chances there. I'll, I'll, with that team, that, co that coach... And I'll compete with Brock Purdy in that. Uh, that certainly, I think, would be in my mind. I got like four or five teams that I wrote down that I think jumped in my main, my brain. But who, who do you got, Mike? Who's the one team you look uh, at? Uh, first one I thought of is get yourself a big old winter coat because Baru. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Sit for a year behind Kirk Cousins. Work with Kevin O'Connell. That's the key. Where am I going to go that I'm going to get good coaching, the best coaching? And who was the number one team on that NFL PA survey? It was the Vikings. Yeah. They're going to take care of me. They're going to take care of my family. It's great facility. It's an offensive head coach. They got one year with Kirk Cousins. I don't get thrown into the fray right away. I can develop. And then 2024, I'm the guy. Minnesota, and I'm, I'm setting aside any partisan leanings that you might accuse me of having. Yeah, Minnesota sure. is where I would go if sure. I was C.J. Stroud. Yeah, sure. It always comes back to Minnesota. Did we ever get through a show where we don't talk about the Vikings somehow, some way, I'd and it say, goes there? I'd say we have. <laughs> yeah. I'd say we have. At it's some rare. Point. What about Bryce Young? What well, about Bryce Young? Well, wait. So, wait. I, well, so I think it's, like, true to all these teams I'm going to throw out there, right? I mean, f- both of them, 49ers. I like your thought there with the Vikings. I think that's a good one. I did not have that on my list, you know, here immediately. The the Raiders, I would think about that. You'd go, wait, do they got a, those receivers, the running back, and Josh McDaniels and Garoppolo, like you've said many times, by all due accounts, it's a one-year deal, right? The Lions, I mean, listen, if I was one of them, I'd go, I'd take my chances. I'll go compete with that guy up there. I'll do it. That team's ready. And then Washington, those were those were five teams that you know added with the 49ers I talked about that jumped out to me. I'd be concerned about the Lions because Ben Johnson yeah, might be gone by 24. I That's know. a problem. I'm going to a place where the head coach is an offensive expert, where I see a path to the field within a year. I don't know that I necessarily want to play right away. I want good supporting cast, good life experience. These are all the things that players don't get to choose but should get to choose. They should have that input. They get to choose which college they go to, and they get to transfer willy-nilly at this point. You should have that power coming in. That's why I love that question. For Bryce Young, I want to be able to attach every coach to a lie detector test and find out who truly believes in short quarterbacks and who doesn't because we know there's plenty of them out there that don't want a short quarterback. Now, they wouldn't show up for the interview with Bryce Young if they weren't interested in a short quarterback, but I want somebody who's comfortable working with and who has a track record of succeeding with a shorter quarterback. So I'd be inclined to go to the Broncos if I was willing to make the bet that Russell Wilson isn't going to be dramatically better in 23. Wow, wow, that's, that's, that, I mean, yeah, I hear you there, but that'd be risky, that's for sure. I don't know about that one. I don't know if I could buy into that one. Because uh, Russell still got some skills. Uh, that'd be scary. But I, I hear your, your base thought there. And, hey, wait, uh, one more thing just to follow up with the Lions thing you said. I mean, Dan Campbell is kind of an offensive head coach. Dan Campbell did call the plays, you know, two years ago to a degree. So maybe we need to look at him a little bit as like, hey, that's he's not like your typical Josh McDaniels, Kyle Shanahan. But I think he's more than your – you know, normal head coach or defensive guy. I, I think there's more influence there as, as far as, you know, his influence on their offense. Yeah, look, I agree with you, but still, that offensive coordinator I know. is be the guy it who is. is tied to the quarterback most closely. And if he's leaving, if the team is good and he's out every year or two, I'd rather be in the place where it can be Drew Brees and Sean Payton. I want it to be me and the coach and the offensive coach, same guy, as long as I'm there, I want to build that kind of relationship year in and year out and really grow and develop into a consistent champion. All right, let's see. One more. How about this? Um, Andrew Hazard, 989, what should be the conditions of the pick the Packers will get next year for Rodgers in 2024? Uh, if he plays two years, it's an automatic one. Well, that would be 
for 2025. The issue is what causes the pick in 24 to become a first rounder? What did the does the team have to do this year? What does he have to do? The 25 pick would flow back to the Jets in the event that Aaron Rodgers only plays one year. That's the other sticking point. I think they're settled on second-round pick this year. The question is, what do the Packers get in 24 based on what the Jets and or Rodgers accomplish in 23? And then what do the Jets get in 25 if Rodgers goes back into the dark closet after this season and decides he's going to retire after only one season with the Jets? Those are the two pressure points that I think come into focus on Friday, April 28th, at some point late afternoon, as they're getting ready to make those second-round picks. That's when they realize the clock has struck 12. It's time to come up with a deal. It's time to go to your bottom line. It's time to reach a decision. And it's going to be those two factors that get resolved. Yeah, I, 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 you said right. I think um... – yeah, for year, I mean, year one, I mean, I, I almost want to be like, second-round pick should cover it regardless, period. Like, I don't care what they do, you know, because there's still a chance he's going to be gone after one year. So, you know, now the next one is, like you said, he plays in 24. That's where, okay, that gets interesting. He plays in 24, and then how do those? how does that affect maybe – draft compensation at 25 that that's where I can understand the Packers wanting more or protection for that uh so that's what I get but damn so you still think that like the playing and if they play good and they go to the playoffs that the Packers are going to want some incentive to bump that up to a first rounder is kind of what you're telling me there and I I, yeah I I guess there's a part of me that goes up man I I don't love that I don't think that actually makes sense especially if you just he's going to be one year and like you said maybe go back into the dark I think that the Jets are willing to do a second round pick this year and next year and the Packers want that two to become a one now when they did the Brett Favre deal 15 years ago it was after the 2008 draft so they had to do something tied into the 2009 draft and it was a four a three a two or a one depending on playoff time and team achievement. It ended up being a third-round pick under that formula. Uh, But I think that that's it. It's a two or it's a one. And I don't know what the trigger is that would make the two a one. That's what the Packers and the Jets are negotiating. And then what would go back to the Jets the next year if he does decide after a couple sips of ayahuasca that he's not going to play in 24? Those are the two factors that need to be resolved. And the bottom line, this is like any negotiation. When does the clock strike 12? And I think if we're going to do a a formula based on second-round pick this year, something next year, and maybe something the year after, it has to happen before that second-round pick is on the clock. So that's when the the chariot turns into a pumpkin. So it is. I think it's going to get done on the 28th at some point before the Jets exercise their second second-round pick. Because remember, they have two now back-to-back yeah. in round two. Makes sense. And, and I think it's going to be done. There's no reason to think it won't be at this point. There's no reason to think it won't be, and I think that's what will happen. Let's take a break. When we return, Chris Sims has his tight end rankings for the 2022 draft. A deep class. We'll see what Chris thinks of it next here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. 
ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Deep Thoughts by Chris Sims. If it was truly reddest the bluest, though, it would put the orange guy first, right? I feel like orange should become before red. Like, it's got only got a little red in it, so it's getting there to the more red. <laughs> Deep Thoughts by Chris Sims. Tune in tomorrow. Okay. Uh, I'm glad that didn't happen on this show. Right. I still don't know quite how to react to it well uh, yeah i made a few dumb comments on, on that one there but yeah i was you know color wheel you would think like orange before red right but i guess i'm wrong in that we've had scientists chime in on social media and we've read some of that on the podcast so you know again there's there's only i have some strengths in life i have some weaknesses in life and you know like i always say i'm a blonde from jersey and i went to texas it's a it's a horrible trifecta uh formula there so it doesn't always lend to the the smartest comments in the world (laughs) well you've made some smart comments about the players in the draft pool and your rankings are always very compelling we've talked about various other positions today we go over your tight end draft rankings and there's number one dalton kincaid yeah just uh, not to just turn 24. He turns 24 in October. Back injury in the season finale last year. Didn't participate in the combine or pro day drills. What do you see in Dalton Kincaid that has him at the top of your tight end stack? I, I have a hard. I mean, he's going to be at the top of everybody's tight end stack, Mike. This is like a no brainer, right? It's like a Bijan Robinson. It's like a Devin Witherspoon we talked about last week at the corner position, right? I don't give a crap if he does the combine or does a 40 or whatever. It's like Dan Campbell said. You just turn on the film. That's what we want to go with more, not the pajama Olympics. Man, this is this is guy, is, he's a top 10 pick, Mike. That, that's how good we're talking here. This is a guy that phenomenal route runner, phenomenal after the catch. He's good in the run game, and he can get better. He's aggressive. He's not afraid of contact, right? He, he can block. He can do that, right? It's something he's got a little more potential to grow in. But he has a type of ability like in the passing game and stuff, Mike. It's, it's, it's Travis Kelsey-ish, if that makes sense. The way he runs routes, gets up field. He's actually a bigger, stronger man than Travis Kelsey. He can make people miss and weave through traffic. People bounce off him. He has it all. Right, TJ Hawkinson, who was drafted in the top ten a few years ago, he's better than TJ Hawkinson was coming out. You know, Kyle Pitts, right, the freak of nature at Atlanta right now. I'm not going to say he's that freak of nature, but he plays the position every bit as good as Kyle Pitts. So this is a guy that 
I, I, you know, definitely top 15 pick. Wouldn't be shocked if somebody in the top 10 took him and has all the talent to really be the best tight end in football, Mike. He's, he's, he's pretty shocking when you watch him how awesome he is. I'm always fascinated where the tight ends fit in the broader hierarchy. Right. So this is a, a good year for tight ends. Yes, it is. And it seems like there's more bad years than good years. But what does it take for a tight end to be among the top 10? We saw TJ Hawkinson top 10. Now the Lions ultimately traded him to the Vikings, but he instantly became a key piece of their offense there and will continue to be. Kyle Pitts, we saw him as a, a guy who, who and, and really, they haven't used him the way that the fantasy football crowd would like because we get fascinated by the potential of a Kyle Pitts, but he just doesn't have the ball in his hands. I think right. back to Vernon Davis, how how he did as the sixth overall pick out of Maryland back in 2005 or six, maybe 2006. But where where does your top tight end this year in Dalton Kincaid right. fit with the top prospects? Is he a top 10? Is he top 20? Yeah. Yeah. Top no. 32. He's definitely 30, one of the top 15 players in the draft, Mike. Like, I would be shocked if he's on the board past 15. Would be shocked. I, I, I don't think it's crazy to think he goes in the top 10. I don't. Uh, I, I think that's what kind of guy we're talking about here. We're talking about a guy, Mike, like, you know, like we said, you could split them out and go, wait, one-on-one, what are they going to do here? Oh, they're going to put a corner on him? Well, he's not big enough. Let's throw him a slant. He'll box, box him out. Oh, it's a safety or a linebacker? Ooh, they're not going to be able to stay with him either for different types of reasons, right? So he's got, all, he's got elite route running ability, like a, like a top-end receiver. And then, you know, I think then you add that with the speed he has, which we don't have at the combine, but – there's not really anybody else you look at, you know, maybe one or two other guys that can run like this guy in the open field. I would think he runs four or five-ish if he's totally healthy and hitting on all cylinders. That's the way he plays. And then, you know, you talk about the physical nature, the size, the ability to catch the ball in traffic, Mike. I mean, he's like a tight end. That's a big part of me, the physicality in the passing game, right? You're in the middle of the field. You're going to have people all over you as you're catching the ball, and people are bumping you as you go through the linebackers and safeties. And you got to be able to play through that trash, let alone you got to be able to catch a ball and go, wait, the weak side linebacker here is about to knock me out as I'm going to catch it. No big deal. I'll do it. And that's the type of stuff that – takes you to the next level and Mike no doubt top 15 player in the draft and really I think there's a chance he he falls in the top 10 when all said and done let's look at that that uh, graphic again because I can't remember if Sam Laporta was in tier one or not I guess he's tier two he's tier two he's, he's, he's tier two this guy's by himself now where does he fit in the broader hierarchy of the, yes. where players are going to go, right, and and and, uh, and what what do you expect out of him at the next level? Yeah, well, I think with him, I mean, first off, well-rounded, like really awesome football player, a lot like Dalton Kincaid, except not as good after the catch. Unbelievable route runner. He's an Iowa tight end, so you know he blocks. He does NFL-type things in the run game. You could see how here he's so crisp with his route running. Got unbelievable hips and feet. He's got a little wiggle to make people miss after the catch. Doesn't have the physicality nature I talked about with the last guy as far as, like, he's not going to run over people when he catches the ball. He's not. He doesn't catch as many balls in traffic or with people hanging around him to that extent. But – this is a guy that, you know, like top 40 pick in the draft, I, I don't think there's any doubt. I wouldn't be shocked if it went late first round, but I think ultimately I expect Laporta to be early second round and probably start the run 
of the next group of tight ends that are not named Dalton Kincaid and start from there. I think that's where it's it's going to kind of go. But, Mike, I would not be mad if this guy went in the end of the first round. He's he's that type of talent. He's really, really damn good and a really good athlete on top of that. And you can kind of see that on the film and the combine numbers do you know confirm what you see, which is always nice. And then we get into the guys you have in Tier 3. You have three of them, Michael Meyer, Josh Wiley, and Darnell Washington. Yes. Uh, all, all in the same cut. Really good. What, what put Mayer as the top of the three? Mayer's like the traditional old-school tight end, right, Mike? Big, square guy. And, like, you know, he looks physical and rugged. And you see him here, right? I mean... He's got – here's the first thing, and this is why he's three, because a lot of people, like, I think the general public thinks he's going to be the number one off the board. He doesn't separate all that well, even like you see here on some of these clips. He's never really open, right? But he's amazing at the physicality catching like we were just talking about. People around him, all that stuff, he's fearless, you know, and he's – like you see there, he, oh, I'm going to go up, extend the ball, and get hit or whatever. Now, yes, compared to the other guys, he's not the route runner. He's more of a lumberer and big. He's top-heavy, right? His blocking wasn't as good as you'd expect for a guy like that. But, damn, he's good, Mike. Go ahead. What? <laughs> he, he, he looks like an offensive lineman running pass routes. A, a little bit. And it's, that's lo- where it's not it looks pretty. Like, it looks like yeah. tackle eligible. Right. It's not pretty all the time. But here's the where he's weird, Mike. And this is where, you know, the scouting process is fun and torturous and all of that. So he doesn't get open that well, right? His blocking, again, it's Notre Dame, so he blocks. But you go, ah, man, as big and strong as you are, why you know you should be a little bit better. Um, but when he gets the ball in his hands, Mike, he he becomes an, a different animal. I mean, where it's like like the Dalton Kincaid guy, he runs people over. He can kind of weave through. He like tries to make something happen after the catch. So separation concerning blocking could be better but with the ball in his hand he's one of those guys that drags three and four people and breaks tackles quite regularly when you break them down I've got a job for him in this NFL that's going to be even more imaginative about the rule that they did not take out of the game last week yeah he becomes my quarterback in my goal line push play yeah he'd be great for that you you know who you'd really like for that is the guy that I got a number five right and I, I'll real quick, Josh Wiley from Cincinnati, he's really good. He's more of like, it looks almost like a big receiver, but he's 245. He's a little longer and leaner. He blocks really well, like amazingly well. It's not like crush you and kill you, but up there as far as route running with the top two guys in the draft. So I really like him. But then there's Darnell Washington from Georgia. And I know you saw him during the year. I don't know if you remember him. Maybe you want to pull up a picture of him right now. Darnell Washington, number zero from Georgia. He's the biggest tight end. I mean, if there's a guy that might be Gronk in the draft, it's this guy right here. First off, like, he's gigantic. And he's like having an extra tackle on the field, Mike. His run blocking is off the charts good. Off the charts. Dominates small people. Really big defensive ends. He can dominate them and certainly hold his ground into a stalemate. And then he's a better athlete than you expect when you watch him. He doesn't get to do a ton. He's not going to be a guy you want to do double moves or fake a shallow cross and come out. But back shoulders, run down the middle, jump up, get the ball, that type of stuff. And he's got something to him after the catch. 
he might be the you know he's he's a high ceiling guy that's got a little bit of a more of a low floor than the rest of these guys, but damn, Mike, uh, he has a chance and has some things about him that you love and you know that big physical body can translate to the NFL for sure. All right, uh, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, we're going to look at some running back news. Austin Eckler requested a trade. Wants a contract, getting neither. We'll talk about that and more when PFT Live continues right after this. First time in my career with them that I felt like kind of like, you know, disrespected by my own organization. Um, and it sucks. Like, I want to be I want to be a Charger, right? I want to be a Charger. I want to be there. And it sucks because it's like, okay, let's get something done. Yes, I do have one more year in my contract, absolutely, but... You know, for them to want to allow me to go and be a free agent next year after playing. And, you know, maybe we can get something done throughout the year. Who knows how it's going to play out. You know, but just that's how I'm feeling right now because we don't really have insight of what they're thinking, things like that. They're just like, nah, we don't want to talk anymore. Austin Eckler, Chargers running back regarding his situation with the team. Look, he asked for permission to seek a trade. He found no takers. I think sometimes it's valuable for the team to allow the guy to see what else is out there because he may find out, Chris, what's not out there. And this is a reality of the position. And I feel like he's creeping toward acceptance as he cycles through the stages of grief as it relates to the position that he plays in the NFL. He's not going to get a new contract. He's not going to get the money that he thinks he deserves. He deserves it in a vacuum, yes, but as it relates to the position he plays, the abundance of available running backs – the fact that you can find guys who can do the things Austin Eckler does. He was undrafted. He's, he's one of the, his career is one of the best arguments for not paying him. We can find another Austin Eckler. There are, and you, you, you use the cliche from time to time, they don't grow on trees. Yeah. If of any position in yes. the NFL yes. other than kicker and punter, right. running backs grow on trees. Definitely, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we know there's there's a tier, and some guys are better than not. But like Mike, to your point, I mean, you, you're saying it right. We know it's unfair. It stinks. We're always talking about how we can make it more fair for running backs and all that. But I mean, they drafted a guy last year at running back. They got other young guys on the roster already, and. When I did my running back rankings, Mike, I'd be lying if there wasn't, you know, three, four, five guys in the top 15 or 16 running backs where I went, he's an Austin Eckler type, right? Probably more than that. So that's where it does stink. And yeah, there's not going to be a market for let's trade for the guy who's going into year seven that's 200 pounds and, you know, playing a position like we're talking about. There's there's tons of talent out there and guys that can get it done. So I, I feel for him. It sucks, but I don't think anything happens here. I think the reality is when he got a real contract offer from the Chargers as a guy who was undrafted, that's it. That that's I made it, right? I'm not going to drive a hard bargain here. I'm not going to say no to it. I'm right. not going to risk suffering the kind of injury that – causes me to never get this contract so I'm going to take what they offer and now yeah. he's getting to the end of it and he realizes you know things have changed the market has changed although not nearly as much as he would think the salary cap has gone up I should be making more now and I think he also knows he doesn't have many years left where he's going to be desirable by the time we get to next year if he's on the open market I mean look Miles Sanders got the top contract this year at 6.25 million the same average 
or the average that matches what Austin Eckler is going to make this year from the Chargers 6.25. So his best play is to go out, stay healthy, have a big year, and, and just see what happens. But I wouldn't expect a whole lot next year. If no one's going to trade for you now and pay you what you want, chances are you're not going to get what you're looking right? for next year and you're yeah. going to, to temper your expectations. That's right. the way it is at the running back oh. position. That's why we say kids, kids. When you're the most talented guy on the field at youth football and they want to make you running back because they don't want to have to bother to actually coach the team, and the easy thing to do is just give the ball to the best athlete on the team and let it run circles around the defense, and then you're going to win all your games, that's where you have to say, no, I don't want to play running back. Whether it's at that level, at high school, at some point before it's too late to change at college, you've got to assert yourself and say, I don't want to be a running back because I think I'm good enough to have a future in the NFL and I have a better future and a brighter future if I'm playing a different position. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. I mean, just think about Austin Eckler. He's 5'10", he's 210 pounds, right? What if he was, you know, senior year in high school, freshman year in college, he just goes, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be 5'10", 190, and be the, the quickest slot receiver you've ever seen in your life. And I'm going to have strength of a running back to break tackles and do that. We're seeing that. That's why we're seeing, you know, certain guys – where it's like, I think 20 years ago, Jalen Waddles playing third down running back and doing that, right? Now he's a slot receiver. We're seeing that type of guy go that way. And that's, I mean, you're spot on, Mike. And it's, it's, it's horrible. I really feel bad for him. I do. And like you said, he goes this year, does status quo, and then it's, he has a good year and teams are going to go, well, you're going into year eight and you had 300 more touches last year and we can't pay you any more. And it's just it's it's an unfortunate situation. And you know, it gets back to what we were talking about earlier with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Like the team shouldn't say, Well, okay, we realize that it's not fair, so we're gonna pay you more than we need to. That they, you know, they're running the business and I'm I'm always pro player, but at what point do you expect a team to rip up a settled contract exactly. when it's looking big picture long term? We're going to find another Austin Eckler this year, get him ready, and he's going to take over as the top running back if Austin Eckler leaves as a free agent next year. And if not, we'll go sign somebody else because our money's going to go to Justin Herbert and his receivers and our defense because we know that running backs we can find anywhere and everywhere unless and until the paradigm shifts and all the best athletes stop playing running back. Then all of a sudden those skills become more yeah, rare right. and thus more valuable. Right. All right, let's take a break. We have a draft coming up that is inspired by one specific aspect of the golf tournament that starts today that you may have heard about the masters love it pft live continues right after this so there is the menu for the masters champion dinner when you win the masters not only do you get a green jacket then and there you get to pick the menu for the dinner the following year as the defending champion. So you see the selections that have been made for Scotty Scheffler. It's amazing. Who won it all last year. So today's today that eclectic. I would love to. I, I, I would eat. I would eat all that stuff. Oh, I would eat all that stuff. I looked at that menu and it was like, oh man, no, that's a, that was a good one right there. I showed my wife and she's like, oh wow, that's great right there. I mean that that was he did a good job. And I mean that is. It's really one of the coolest traditions in sports. I really love this aspect. And Mike, I don't know. I don't know. Have you heard this? Do they do it 
I don't know why I don't know this. I should. Do they do it like in the background of that room there? Or I don't know why I thought there was like they set it out on the golf course somewhere and do it that way. And, and I don't expect you to know that answer, but I have no idea. Okay. I don't think they, I don't think they have, they have uh, plastic cutlery and, and yeah. paper plates on right. the golf course for this. I think it's probably in a room like the one in behind. I think there's a lot of harumphing okay. that goes on in that room. A lot of old men in green jackets millo, uh, milling about as they Do you they, watch uh, the Masters the this weekend? Where you watch it? Are you a, a fan of it? Like, will you turn it on at all or even have it on the TV? No. No? Okay. No. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Yeah. I know. I know that's probably not what I should say since NBC is the home to many fine golf events, but I have no interest in the sport Gosh. as a player or yeah. as a spectator. Yeah, it's one of those where I don't play it, right, a whole lot. I, I, the, I love to watch golf, the majors, and the Masters is one of those where I, a Sunday, and it, it, this is where it's annoying this year, a little Easter is on the Masters, but, man, just it's for me in the Northeast, too, it's like, oh, wait, spring's coming. Look, it's coming up the coast from Georgia. Look at all these pretty flowers and how green it is. And it's just got a great course and a great tradition. There's no, there's barely any commercials. It's just got a great feel about it. Uh, I love the Masters. It's one of my favorite sporting events. Wasn't there a controversy one year about using fake bird sounds? Yes, there was. They were using fake bird sounds, I think, on the Hopefully telecast. Hopefully that wasn't NBC. No, Hopefully it was, it wasn't it's NBC. all CBS. CBS and, and uh, Jim Nance, they got the Masters on lockdown, I think, for a while. <laughs> We're at the point where we can hear the little peepers, the little frogs in the yes. pond that we can see. Off. It's not on our property, but it's close by. I was I was listening to the peepers last night while I was enjoying the candlelit barn and having a cigar right before my house. Peepers are out here, so. Mike. Peepers are out here. It's the Northeast. I never in my life heard peepers before it became spring. We had them in the early middle March, and I went, oh, my gosh, it's still winter. And we have peepers. Like, if that doesn't say there's something wrong with our planet, I don't know what it, what does. I'm sorry, Captain Planet came the, out. The, 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 the peepers need to be careful. If you make too much noise, a hawk's going to come get you. All right, <laughs> let's do our draft of the items that we would put on the menu. And I'm not talking about pre-meal smoking Right. Yeah, yeah. I need a private room food. off the room so I can work out my appetite <laughs> to enjoy this menu, right. Mister Masters. <laughs> All right, what do you got? I, I mean, number one is a porterhouse steak. I, you know, I, I, I try to eat one steak a week, right? And, the, and that would be mine. There, porterhouse, I love. It's the best of both worlds, right? You got the the fillet and the strip. Uh, with the bone and all that. So that'd be the first thing that would be on my menu. Is the porterhouse the same thing as the T-bone then? It, it's just a bit it's is, a right? bigger it's a bigger T-bone. There's more of a fillet. I just learned this too in like the last year and a half. There's more of a fillet on the porterhouse than there is on the T-bone. Didn't you get a porterhouse when we went to dinner in Kansas City? Didn't you order one? I, I ordered a steak that was freaking gigantic. I know that. And I was like, oh, yeah. crap. I got a lot of work to do here. I, I don't know if it was a porterhouse. It was, a, I think, a bone-in strip that I got that was a little too big. The one thing that I remember about that night is your steak was grilled and you were baked. That's <laughs> yeah. what I remember. Sounds like a good night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, look, I got to start. How can I not start with the thing that I'm connected to? Oh, gosh. Times? <laughs> 
I got to have pasta and meatballs. I got the pasta and meatballs instinct. I got to refuel with pasta and meatballs. I mean, if they're going to actually let an Italian on the golf course at the Masters to the point where we would have a chance to win it, yeah, we're having an old-time Italian feast. Take that, all you crusty old Masters members that don't want any Italians around. You're going to deal with me. I'm bringing the whole family, and we're not going to shower for a week before we get there. It's going to be like it's going to be like the caddy day at the Bushwood Pool. That's what it's going to be like when it's time for me to have my party at the Masters. Damn, that's right. You might have to bring in your own chefs there. You're right. That's a lot of southern white people there. I don't know if they can do pasta and meatballs. You might get ketchup with some hamburger helper in there. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not and sure. Ketchup and egg noodles like some <laughs> schnook. All right. What do you got next? I, I'm, I'm going to go with a lobster tail. Uh, I'm going surf and turf here. You know, a little, you know, yeah, at some point in my meal, I want the lobster. I probably would prefer it before I start eating the steak. I think that's the way I'd go. But, yeah, a good lobster tail, preferably I'd like it grilled, right? Um, That would be the way I'd like to do it. All right, uh, next one for me. I got some choices here. I got a lot to choose from. I I would want as an appetizer, and – And this is my favorite part of any meal when you go to an ice restaurant. If they have the thick-cut bacon slash pork belly. Like when we went out to eat in in Indy, we ordered one. I told my Casey, get two. Get two. Uh, There is just something about the big – because usually it's like it's sweet or it's smoky. And it's this big piece of bacon, which is just all fat. But it is so good. I could just eat that for the whole meal. Like, bring that out for the appetizer. I'll have that for the salad. I'll have that for the main course. I'll have that for the dessert. So we're starting with that that big, thick, expensive, but worth it bacon that they have at the finest steakhouses coast to coast. All right, I'm hungry now. Let's uh, take a break, and we'll give you round three of our... All right, one more item on the menu that we would have at the Masters dinner. What do you got? Well, I mean, I know. I didn't get, like, salad and things like that in the healthy stuff. Salad's a waste. Right. I've never had a salad where I have... I have emerged from the experience saying that was awesome. I want another. I, I, so there's a limited that's few. The, that's yeah. the required for me. Okay. If, if, if I finish... Whatever it is they give me, and I say, that was great, I want more, that's how it gets on the list for me. And that's never happened for me with a salad. Yeah, okay, all right, good. There's like one or two places that's happened to me. But more importantly, dessert is what's got – I mean, we have three picks here. Dessert's one of my picks, and that's an easy one for me. I mean, I'm going molten chocolate cake with a scoop of ice, vanilla ice cream on the side. I mean, what is better than that? Come on. You know, some hors d'oeuvres, a porterhouse, a lobster tail, and then a molten chocolate cake with a gooey chocolate center and some ice cream. Yummy. Well, the last one for me. And look, if we're going to do the full Italian takeover of the places where they don't want us to be. And frankly, when we came over 100 years ago, and yes, I'm bitter about it, even though I didn't come over then. They didn't want us. They didn't want us here. They didn't want us here. They wanted us here to do all the work that they didn't want to do themselves, like mine, coal, and make steel. But they did not like the Italians. The, where I live, a horrible discrimination against Italians then, and now it's just unspoken. So what we're taking down to Augusta, where I assume it's probably worse, not better than it is here, pepperoni Damn. rolls, baby. The, the, the local staple, the thing that they would take down into the mines, because the guys down there working and dying and risking their lives to power the country, they, it was easier for them to eat that way. You just cram the meat into the bread, you cook it that way, and uh, they're awesome. Damn. You would eat more than one, especially if you were a little baked, like you were that night. Definitely. See ya. Enjoy your weekend, Chris. See everybody.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.